Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm gonna send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. If you work in a creative industry, you probably already know how difficult it can be to just make a living. But if your intention is to not only make a living, but also feel proud of the work that you do every day, well, that's a much taller order. It can seem hard enough to find extra time to perfect your specific craft, and it's often even harder to find more extra time to meet the right people and build your professional network, especially if you're a socially awkward introvert like me. But oftentimes, the barriers standing between you and landing your dream job in the entertainment industry have nothing to do with outside forces. Instead, the barriers are psychological. That's right, you might be the biggest obstacle that's keeping you from greatness. And the number one barrier keeping you from your dream job is the stories that you tell yourself repeatedly every single day. In this episode, I chat with Robert Hardy, who is an indie filmmaker, writer, and entrepreneur that's based out of Tucson, Arizona. He currently runs Filmmaker Freedom, a site that helps ambitious filmmakers make work that they're proud of and take control of their careers. We chat all about the step-by-step -step process that you can take to become a successful filmmaker, but the key is first understanding how to define success for you. We also dive deep in the limiting scripts that we repeat on a daily basis that convince us that we don't have what it takes to make it and then how to overcome them little by little. If you want to dive even deeper into the power of storytelling, specifically understanding the fundamental components of a good story, I recommend jumping back to my previous interview, which is part one in my storytelling series with Story Greenlight founder Jeff Barch, and that is at optimizeyourself.me slash episode 44. So now, without further ado, my interview with Robert Hardy. So I'm here today with Rob Hardy, and this is an interview that has been a long time in the making because you and I have been going back and forth behind the scenes for probably 
the last two or three years, you and I met in a, uh, what, what do we want to call it? Like an online entrepreneurship business space and realized, oh my God, there's another person that's interested in filmmaking and better health and finding another way to do films that isn't Hollywood. So you and I immediately bonded. So that being the case, I am very excited that you and I are finally doing this today. So thanks for being on the show. Dude, thanks for having me. I think, yeah, I think before I even knew who you were, I, I bought your course because obviously I spend most of my time writing and sitting in a desk and just not moving. So it has been tremendously helpful. I got my standing desk now, my topo mat, all that fun stuff. All thanks to you. Well, and thanks to you, I now get uh, Facebook messages and emails pretty much on a weekly basis of people asking if they want to pick my brain and take me out for coffee and lunch because <laughs> of the networking article that you wrote um, called uh, Empire Editor Seven Steps to Networking or something like that, which is one of the best networking articles that I have ever read, and not because it's using my advice, but just the way that you wrote it, the way that it was constructed, you took a very disheveled, kind of a messy audio interview and actually turned it into very succinct advice. And I was like, oh, that's actually really good advice. Oh, wait, no, hold on a second. That was from that really messy interview that I gave you. So um, <laughs> I'll, I'll put a link to that because that actually went, uh, I guess, I, I don't want to say viral because it's not like I got 25 million views on YouTube, but in our industry, it had a good shelf life for oh, a yeah. while and really got passed yeah, around. Really, really well for the Frame.io guys. Yeah, I'm sure for anybody listening, that's just a blog that you should be following. Like they're kicking so much ass right now with, yeah, with their I agree. content. It, it blows my mind. Not only their content, but their their product. It's a total tangent. Ugh. But yeah, Frame.io is, yeah. By, I mean, there there isn't even a distant second at this point. They're so, so good at what they do. And their content is great. Their blog is great. I've had the opportunity to write for them a couple of times. You have. But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much. The reason <laughs> that I have you here today is that you are a filmmaker you're an indie filmmaker, you're a writer, and you're also an entrepreneur. And that's a combination that there isn't a lot of, which is why you and I gravitated towards each other, because I am also in the filmmaking space and the entrepreneur space. And there are so few people that are trying to do both, probably because trying to do either one is more than a full-time job in and of itself. So you have yes. to be a special level of insane to try to do both of these. And you have a site that's called Filmmaker Freedom. And this is a site that I think anybody that's trying to either break into or transition into some different form of filmmaking career needs to know about. So I wanna talk a little bit about your origin story and where Filmmaker Freedom came from. And then we're gonna dive into all the great advice that you give people. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I guess it starts as a lot of these things do with with film school. Like in, in high school, I was always interested in movies. I never really had any inclination that I would want to do it for a living. But when college rolled around, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to study film. That sounds cool. And I mean, I it's weird that it was such like a spur of the moment decision, just something I decided to do. It wasn't I hadn't been like super passionate about film my entire life. I just I just went for it because my my background prior to that was was music and um, audio production. And I, I just sort of made that switch and fell head over heels in love pretty much immediately from like day one of my first film class. So we fast forward a couple of years. I actually ended up dropping out of film school for reasons that are, I don't know, probably not that relevant. It is just a something that is not particularly affordable. And when you start weighing the benefit of having all that or the cost of having all that debt for the rest of your life in an industry that's that's fairly uncertain in terms of like paying back the debt, it was pretty clear that I shouldn't stick around in film school. So after after I left school, 
my big ambition was I, I wanted to be a cinematographer. Like I, I studied cinematography in school. I was, a, I was a bit of a camera nerd, all of that stuff. And my big goal was to was to get to someplace like LA or New York and be shooting dramatic features, dramatic shows, probably probably dramatic shows because I was I was going through the television craze at that point and just head over heels with a lot of the stuff that was coming out of networks like AMC, HBO, et cetera, all that good stuff. But I was in Denver, Colorado at the time and I wasn't really making any progress towards those goals. I was shooting short films. I was doing a lot of um, camera assistant work, camera operating work. I was doing a lot of uh, sports broadcast work and corporate work to to pay the bills, but I just wasn't making any progress whatsoever. And I got to the point where I was, I was just depressed. There's no better way to put it than I was just depressed and frustrated and sort of fed up with my lack of progress on this stuff. And there was a time where I actually considered giving up on filmmaking because it, it just seemed like such a, such a pipe dream, especially to get where I thought I wanted to go. And I had this sort of realization that I couldn't keep going down the path that I was currently on. I didn't want to be working like 12 to 14, 16 hour days, anything like that for the next 10 to 20 years to get where I wanted to go. I didn't really like a lot of the projects I was working on. And I just knew that I couldn't do that for for any longer than I already had. So I had this this sort of, I guess, come to Jesus moment is what people might call it, where I had this this realization that I could either continue doing that and just hate my life, or I could like redefine what filmmaking success meant to me and just sort of like craft my own path. And that just set me down this path of entrepreneurship, this path of of spending more time writing, of of sort of scaling back my filmmaking ambitions for the time so that I could come back to them later when I had the the resources and the energy to give to it full scale. And yeah, that's really what led to, to Filmmaker's Process, which I then later rebranded into Filmmaker Freedom. And it's it's all just sort of built around this idea of crafting a filmmaking career that you actually care about, that you actually find fulfilling, and that doesn't drain you of all your life force, as I found out. Well, the, anybody that has listened to this show or read anything that I write at any length whatsoever knows that my spidey sense immediately went off and you started talking about this thing called a path. I love talking about the path because everybody says, there is no path. I can't figure out how to do it. People tell their stories. I'm like, that's never going to happen to me. And I see it as my mission to deconstruct everybody's unique paths so you can realize there are just kind of standard steps that everybody can follow, even though we're not doctors, we're not lawyers, we don't have three years of med school and then residency and intern, and then all of a sudden we know we get the white coat. You can put in as much effort, energy, and money as somebody that's going through med school, and when you're done, you're getting somebody's coffee for five years. We don't have the guarantees that they do for doctors and lawyers and other professional um, type jobs. So it is very daunting and very overwhelming to think I could put in all this time and get nothing out of it. But I firmly believe there is a set path. It's something that I talk about a lot. And what I love about your site and the work that you do and the writing that you do is you specifically say, and I'm going to read this right from the front page of your website, things you're never going to read about here. The latest cameras, lenses, support gear, etc. Massive Hollywood directors and movies, or how to sell your screenplay or quote unquote get into Sundance. I love that you are so bold about the fact that I'm not talking about the stuff that everybody else talks about on their filmmaking websites. 
we're going to figure out how we're going to conquer the psychological forces that hold us back and how to make films that we're genuinely proud of that we want to share with the world. This is a really unique perspective, especially for our industry. So I really want to start jumping into some of these psychological forces and talking about mindset. Like you talk a lot about those things and very, very few people in the filmmaking world even consider these things. It is all about, well, this is the latest camera or I need to be doing this because this is what everybody else does. And I don't believe in any of that crap. So you and I are kindred spirits. So let's start talking and just diving deep into this concept of kind of what some of the, the fundamental steps are in this step-by-step -step path that we can follow if we want to be successful filmmakers. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess if we're going to sort of deconstruct the, the path to be successful, you have to first start and just figure out what the hell it means for you to be successful. And more than anything, that can't come from the people around you. That can't come from blogs and podcasts and from the, the people you surround yourself. The only place that can come is from within you. And that may sound like some kind of woo-woo crap, but like it, it has to stem from your values and it has to stem from you being introspective and figuring out what kind of life you actually want to live. Because if you don't take that into account at the very first step of all of this, you may wake up in five years or 10 years and realize you have just spent your life doing something that leaves you feeling empty and drained and you don't have anything to show for that time and energy you've put in. So more than anything, just discover your values and figure out what you actually want your life to look like in a few years. Figure out what you want your actual work to look like, what you want it to say, what you want it to feel like, who you want it to reach how many people you want it to reach, figure out what you want your, your days to look like and how you want your time to be structured and the types of people that you want to spend your time with. Like all of these types of things should be factor or they should factor heavily into how you define success for yourself. And, and once you have that, it's, it's really just a matter of, of deconstructing it and, and figuring out those, those like high leverage steps. I think you and I can get really nerdy on some of this stuff and talking about like the one thing, like, I think you had, was it Gary Keller or Jay Papasan on the show? Uh, yeah, I had Jay Papasan on the show a while ago and I'll, I'll put a link to that because it's been a very popular episode talking about the concept of the one thing. So yes, I, Dude, I, I bet that for anyone who hasn't read the book, like it is just mind blowingly good and it will just set you, set you on the path. But yeah, like once you have that definition of success, it, it really just is about deconstructing it and figuring out what you need to do to get there and, and then making progress every day, building, building a daily routine around that most important work, whatever it happens to be for you. And there's a lot of other things you can do, like short-term goal setting, long-term goal setting, all of these things that I'm, I'm sure you know about if you, if you listen to Zach's show. So just to kind of go back to this idea of defining success for yourself, this is so key, um, especially in such an image driven industry such as Hollywood, where it's all about I want the attention, I want the recognition, I want the awards. Very few people actually think about what do I want a normal day to look like for me? And that was something that I went through fairly early on in my career. And I'm glad that I had this realization at 25 and not 45. Um, but I was about 25 working in the trailer industry doing short form. And I was very successful at a very early age. And I had won several awards for work that I was doing on trailers. And I was very rapidly rising the ladder, working on bigger films, getting recruited by much larger trailer agencies. And I just said, 
but this isn't what I want to do. Like it's fun, but I don't really like the day to day. It really is kind of soul crushing to work on big budget studio theatrical trailers. And I said, I want to do long form. I want to do feature films and I want to work in television, but I work in trailers and everybody says that I can't. But I realized if I was going to jump ship and I was going to define my success by working on things that I truly enjoyed, now was the time to do it. And I just decided I was going to quit a six-figure job, and I started making like five, $600 a week editing, <laughs> but I was doing it as an editor. I was I was the lead editor working on low-budget and independent stuff, but basically making just above minimum wage, but it was for getting the credit and the experience. And there were people that I worked with at the time, they're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're making all this money, you're getting recruited from these, these larger trailer companies. Like, this is it, this is what you've been working for. And in my mind, I was thinking, but it's not what I'm working for. Right now, I'm, I'm doing well and I'm making the money. But then fast forward a decade later, and I saw this moment coming. I wasn't 100% confident it was coming, but I was pretty sure. But fast forward a decade later, bumping into people on the street that I worked with at trailer companies 10 years ago, saying, yep, still at the same place and it's crazy as ever. And I'm, you know, just crazy tired. I'm working on big movies, but I'm just burned out and I'm tired all the time. And I actually had one person say to me, he's like, I wish 10 years ago I'd done exactly what you did because I can't get out. It's like, I, yeah. I, I make too much money and I've got a mortgage now and I've got a kid and I can't get out and I hate what I do. And I wish that I had thought about this more when I was younger. And that's what it's all about, defining what success looks like for yeah. you. Yeah, so I, I think you brought up a really important point there. And it's this idea that that you are very much influenced by the people around you, or we all tend to be influenced by the people around us, especially the people who we're friends with, the people who we're colleagues with, and we just work in close quarters with. And and that can actually be a dangerous thing, as you as you mentioned, because if you had taken that advice, as as a lot of us tend to do, like if if we don't have our guard up and we don't have a have a really keen sense of what we really want out of life. We're we're bound to take that advice. We're bound to listen to the people around us and sort of crowdsource what our future should be. But as you as you just described, it's it's a dangerous proposition because you could very well wake up in a few years, 10 years and realize that you you followed the wrong advice, buddy. And and that's something that we all need to be aware of. And it's also a a really good reason to start surrounding yourself with people who are maybe not more ambitious than you, but who are on the same path as you, who are maybe even a few steps ahead of you, who can give you guidance, who can who can push you to, to be better in this particular arena that you want to succeed in. Because at the end of the day, if you if you surround yourself with people who who drag you down or who pull you in directions that you don't want to go in, it's you're just setting yourself up for for significantly more work and for more turmoil and for for less progress, quite frankly. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found 
bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash topo. That's T-O-P-O. Well, I think that kind of what you're talking about is this idea that we are the five people that we surround ourselves with the most. It's a very popular concept. And when you're in a job where you're relatively unhappy, you're probably surrounded by other people that feel the same way and you all kind of commiserate and you all kind of get the sense that, well, you know, we're in this together. But then as soon as you want to break out of that mold, all of a sudden you become the outsider. It's like, what, are, are you too good for this place? You're, what, you're, you're too good to be a trailer editor and now you want to do features? Like, that's hard to, to break out of. But I think that to, to kind of encapsulate it in the way that I really saw it, and it's one of my favorite it's not a quote, I'm gonna be paraphrasing it because I can't remember who I'm quoting, but it's this idea that if you don't have a plan, you are going to become a part of somebody else's plan. Yes. I don't wanna be a part of somebody else's plan. I wanna make my own plan. I wanna design my own roadmap. And if that means that I have to push myself into an uncomfortable position of doing things that a lot of people don't quite understand, then I'm fine with that. But I surround myself with people, like you said, this is great advice. I surround myself with people that have similar goals and a similar mindset to reach those goals. Like the example would be right now, I'm training to be on the show American Ninja Warrior. I'm not thinking to myself, man, for somebody that sits all day long, I'm in really good shape. I'm surrounding myself with CrossFit athletes and saying, I'm an out of shape fat slob. <laughs> because I want to be surrounded by people that are so driven and focused on getting better, getting stronger, eating well. Like that's the mentality that I need to be around so I can just absorb it by osmosis. But it's the same for any field. And I think in filmmaking, especially, it's so easy to be surrounded by people that are so jaded and so cynical and so exhausted. And it's hard to break out of that mold. Exactly. Exactly. So where I want to go next, and this is an area where you and I could probably record a seven-part, seven-hour podcast about, but it's this idea of investing yourself in small daily actions because it's so easy to think, well, I just need somebody to discover me. I just want to be an overnight success. But people don't realize that success is a habit. It's not a destination, and you have mm -hmm. to figure out what are the actions I'm actually going to take 
every single day to get where I want. And I know that this is a passion of yours as well. So let's talk a little bit about this concept of ditching the idea of overnight success and instead investing in daily actions. Yeah, I think first and foremost, we all just need to be a little bit more cognizant of some of the stories that are out there regarding filmmakers succeeding in sort of like the blog world, the podcast world, and the trades. Because if you're not careful, you will just see story after story after story that look like people are just succeeding overnight. And those stories will, of course, they'll they'll influence your perceptions, your beliefs, and they'll make you feel like that you should do that as well, or that or that that idea of overnight success is attainable as well. And it just is one of those things that I think sets so many people up to to just spin their wheels and and be frustrated and and be in a place where they're like, why is it not happening yet? And of course, you and I both know the antidote to that is to first and foremost, try to try to realize that for most of those stories, like when you see the like the successful indie filmmaker who who like gets a deal with the studios or whatever it is, you see that little tiny slice in time, but you don't see the 10 years preceding it where he made short film after short film after short film that nobody cared about that like are now just sitting around on Vimeo with like 37 views each, most of which came from like his mom or something. And you don't see that. You don't see like the the five years it took to get a first indie feature made and all the struggles with getting it with getting it funded. And then once it was made, all the struggles with getting it distributed and into festivals and the crazy amount of just frustrations and turbulence that comes with that whole world. You don't get to hear that slice of the story. So when you when you see these stories, you have to realize that you're only getting a very small percentage of the story. And you're usually missing all of the stuff that nobody wants to talk about. And that's the fact that it is just hard. It takes a long, long time to become an overnight success. And in order for it to happen, you have to be persistent. You have to keep making small bits of progress every day, every week, every month, sometimes for years at a time until that big break happens. And oftentimes it really is like a a dam breaking open. You will just get a, a big opportunity, but it's always the result of the years of effort preceding it. It's never something that happens in a vacuum at once. So I think that's the that's the crucial mindset for for starters is just realizing that overnight success is just a myth, plain and simple. And the sooner you can realize that, you can start building your plan to make that progress every day as we were talking about. Yeah, and I don't think that the overnight success is a myth if you put overnight in quotation marks. Yeah. Because at some point, everybody, if they continue to work hard, is going to become a quote unquote overnight success. Same thing happened to me. Like I got the job on burn notice and all of a sudden everybody had heard my story and said, wow, like this young guy got a job on burn notice. Like that's awesome. He's an overnight success. And like, yeah, but you forgot about the 12 years that it took me to get that (laughs) job on burn notice. And that's what I'm so passionate about talking about is all the trials and struggles and tribulations and things that I learned and did the wrong way to get to that point. Because to everybody else, it's like, oh, he did. It was so easy for him. Why can't I do it? What is wrong with me? What is my problem? Why can't I get success like this? It's because they're always focusing on the destination and not the journey and not the process. And the process, that's where the magic is. If you can build the daily habits that are going to lead you towards that success, 
then all of a sudden the overnight success becomes inevitable. But what I always tell people is they're like, well, you know, I just, I'm never going to get discovered. And I tell them, stop trying to get discovered. Make sure the people discover you. It's yeah. subtle, but it's very, very different distinction. Exactly. From there, you know, if we're talking about this idea of I am no longer going to just go for the finish line and picture myself on stage with the Oscar someday and just cross my fingers and hope that it happens. Instead, I want to take responsibility for the things I'm doing each day. What are some of the things that you talk about, like small daily practices that people can take to move towards building the successful filmmaking career they want, especially if they don't really care about the awards or getting into Sundance and they just want to make a living off of doing something that they love? Yeah, well, so I think before we can talk about like small daily actions, you have to zoom back out to the bigger picture and you have to get like the, the full scope of, of where you are now and where you eventually want to be, like your realized definition of success. And you have to realize that there is a massive gap between those two, especially if your your definition of success is something really ambitious, like you want to direct in Hollywood or even just like direct like indie features for a living. Like that is super rare and super hard to actually do. So you have to you have to really take stock of that gap. And then you have to construct a plan to bridge that gap because oftentimes when you're at the starting line, you have no clue what it's going to take to actually get you to where you want to go. So it really is about starting at the end and deconstructing like each subsequent step that you want to get there. So I have um, this concept that I've been working on that I call the, the film career staircase. And I haven't, I haven't necessarily fleshed it out as much as I would like to yet, but essentially it's this idea that, you can design each step in your career, and it's this way to bridge that gap that we were talking about. So let's let's just take an example here. So let's say you want to direct indie features for a living in, and you want to completely skip out on on like the traditional model of going through sales agents and distributors, and you you just want to sell directly to an audience. You want to build an audience online of people who are interested in your films, and you want to sell your work directly to them. But let's say that right now, you just graduated from film school. You're nowhere close to that. How do you bridge that gap? So in this scenario, in this hypothetical scenario, a career staircase might look something like this. You might start out by freelancing, by going into your local town, city. You don't need to move to LA. You don't need to move to New York or any of that stuff. And you find production companies. You start working for them as a, as a grip, as a PA, as a camera operator, whatever they happen to need. And... After that, you can level up to starting your own production company. And obviously all of the resources that come with that, like you, you spend a year or two really getting that good, focusing specifically on that. And then, of course, you can level up again and maybe spend a year just focused on building an audience and nothing else. And then finally, you can spend a year making a feature doing whatever it happens to be that will serve that audience that you've built. And that is, is sort of a way that you can, you can just build out these subsequent steps in your career. And each step gives you leverage as you move to the next one. And that's one of those things like, so if you wanted to just make a feature straight out of college, you wouldn't have any leverage whatsoever. You'd have to, you'd have to scrounge together all your resources and it, it just wouldn't, it probably wouldn't happen. But if you make a feature already 
having the resources of your little indie production company, you've already built an audience, at least a probably small audience if it's if it's only a year that you've done it. But that gives you so much leverage as you go into that process that you can be relatively secure in it and not have to basically bet the farm and potentially like just mess up your life if the feature doesn't work out. That's sort of what I'm working on. It's just this idea that you can design each step in the process of getting to your bigger picture goal. And each of those steps should give you leverage and security and stability as you move to that next step. So yeah, does, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, that completely makes sense. And this is exactly the kind of stuff that I geek out on and obsess over is just the psychology of achieving goals, but not only achieving something, but designing the process to get there. Yeah. Um, I mean, this this is like the perfect opportunity for a shameless plug uh, for my new Design Yourself program, because that's basically what we're, we're doing in this program is you look at this giant macro goal that you think, man, that just seems completely insurmountable. I don't know how I could ever get there but you break a giant macro goal down into much, much smaller micro goals. So one way that you can do it is you say, you know, I wanna direct big budget Hollywood, you know, feature films, right? And I just yeah. came out of college, like you said. Well, yeah, so that's not gonna happen tomorrow, even though there are a lot of people who think it is. It's not gonna happen unless you're Ryan Coogler and you go from doing Fruitvale Station to Black Panther, but that's not gonna happen to most people. <laughs> um, yeah. But if you look at it as, well, I don't need to be directing a Hollywood feature film tomorrow. What do I need to do tomorrow? Well, I don't know. Okay, what do I, where do I need to be in five years? All right, well, in five years, I probably need to at least have a few feature films under my belt. If they're indies, maybe they're shorts even, just to show that I can do it. All right, well, if I need to be doing that in five years, what do I need to be doing in like a year? Well, I probably need to at least be working on movies, right? I should probably be getting paid for a living and be on sets and be able to observe the process and learn from other directors or doing my own, you know, really low budget shorts. All right, terrific. So what does that mean I have to do this week? What does that mean I have to do in an hour? And it sounds like that's really what you're talking about is kind of breaking down something that's much, much larger into the staircase where you're saying, what are my next steps? Not necessarily, exactly. you know, jumping from A to Z. It's like, how do I go from A to B? And once you do that, yeah. it becomes much, much easier. I just went uh, rock climbing last weekend with a group of people that are running a Spartan race with me. And there was a brand new guy that had never gone rock climbing and actually had a fear of heights. And he stood at the bottom and said, there's no way I can go to the top. I said, you don't need to go to the top. You need to just grab the next little handhold right there. So like, well, I can do that. I'm like, great, grab the handhold. All right, I'm fine. There's another handhold that's about two feet above you. Just grab that one. And that was it, one after another after another. And it's no different with your career. But I think what so many people are afraid of, if we use the rock climbing analogy, is that they're gonna climb up halfway there and then realize there are no more handholds and I just went the wrong way and now I need to fall to the bottom. Exactly, and I mean, I think that's that comes back to the idea of first and foremost, defining success for yourself and making sure that that definition of success is, is tied into your values and that it's really damn important to you. Because obviously having having that sense of purpose, having that bigger why driving your career is enough to to get you past those those like stagnation points, I guess you could call them, or those those points where it just feels like there's so many obstacles or there's just no path forward. If you really, truly, deeply care and you're willing to just keep putting in the energy and the time and and making small bits of progress, you can get past those those obstacles or those places where it just seems like there's no way forward. 
So yeah, I'd, I'd add that into there. Yeah. And I, I, you, you hit the nail on the head talking about why you're doing something. If you don't have a why you're screwed. I don't care what you're trying to do. It's going to suck going through the process, trying to achieve something difficult. And just as a, a newsflash for anybody that's saying, oh, I've done a whole bunch of stuff and it hasn't been that hard. You're not setting difficult enough goals. If you're setting a goal that you're constantly achieving, then you're not pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. If you are pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, things are going to suck and you're going to fail and things are going to happen that make you wonder why in the world did I take on this goal? I'm never going to achieve it. But if you have defined a deeper why, then you're going to realize, oh, that's right. This is why I'm doing this. Okay, it's cool. I'll take a breath. I'll regroup. I may have failed this time, but I'm going to, I want to fail forwards. I want to use my failure as a learning opportunity rather than just saying, well, I'm done. So one of the things that I talk about in my programs is that you never say that I have failed or I can't do something. You just add the word yet. So I can't do this thing yet. Exactly. And that, that, and I think that that mindset is so key. And especially when we're talking about trying to build a filmmaking career, there are a lot of tangential moves where you think you're going in one direction, you think you're building a portfolio or you're building connections and you realize that, oh wait, I don't wanna work with these kinds of people or, oh man, how did I end up on this project? I cannot <laughs> believe this is gonna be in my reel. And you realize that, all right, well, these, this is just part of the process and success is not a linear path. It's just this giant windy curve that goes all over the place. But I mean, you really hit the nail on the head that it's all about knowing why you're doing it and really defining what that picture of success looks like for you. So yeah, and I, I think like going back to my like after college years when I wanted to be like a, a big name dramatic DP, like I, I thought that was a great goal and I was I, I thought I was super passionate about it, but at the end of the day, when I was in my sort of like depressed state and I, I didn't really want to continue on with it anymore, I realized that there was there was no why there. Like my my whole justification for for wanting to do that in my career was essentially because I thought it'd be cool because I thought that's what you were supposed to do when you go to film school and study cinematography. Like I didn't consider that there might be other paths. So I just sort of went with the default and I hated it. It sucked. And it, it drained the life out of me for a while. And I, I really had to sort of tuck my tail between my legs and retreat a little bit so that I could figure out like what the hell I actually wanted out of life. And I, I don't know, like that's what it comes down to. But once you have that, this sense of what you're going to get out of your career and, and how it's going to make you feel to actually achieve these things and, and why it's important to you, like nothing can really stand in your way. Well, not to, to interrupt, but I think one of the really important things that you said is this idea of it would be cool, right? That is so common in Hollywood is people will send me messages and say, man, I just saw that episode of Unsolved or Burn Notice or Empire, whatever it is. It must be so cool to work on that stuff. I'm like, why don't you come spend a day with me? <laughs> why don't you come in my tiny, small, dark room with no windows and poor ventilation and spend 12 hours in one spot staring at a computer screen? That's what my day looks like. And you would think, well, yeah, but you know, millions of people get to see your stuff. Well, I don't get to sit and watch it with them. I don't get to know how they react unless I go on Twitter, which is just this vast chasm of just negativity that I don't want to have anything to do with. But 
those are not the rewards that I get. So how am I able to do it day in and day out every day when the process is not terribly sexy? Everybody thinks that working in Hollywood is sexy until they've watched an editor do their job for five minutes and said, oh my God, this is the most boring thing ever. Or they've been on a film set and said, wow, this is uh, really slow and there's not a lot happening. Like the cool factor goes away after about 10 minutes. So exactly. what you have to enjoy is the process. So for me, there's nothing more invigorating as a film editor than being in front of an empty timeline and playing Tetris with emotion. That's what that's what editing is to me. I play a game of Tetris all day long, creating emotions with little tiny colored blocks in a timeline. I yeah. love doing that. That's been fun for me since I was nine years old. And when I was nine years old, it was VHS tapes. It wasn't avid, but at the same time, it was the same concept. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, if the day sucks, if something's not working out, it doesn't really matter because it's the process, not the destination. And that's why, like my definition of success is, am I really enjoying the project that I'm working on? And is it giving me a lifestyle that I enjoy? If it's not, I'm not successful. Dude, yeah. Other people are looking at me saying I'm successful, but I'm not successful by my own definition. Yeah, you just you just nailed it. It's all about it's all about getting to that that feeling that you are successful. And again, that sounds a little bit like we're getting into some woo-woo territory, but at the end of the day, like you can set these, these big goals for yourself, but if you don't feel successful, then you're not going to be, you're not going to be happy with yourself. You're just going to move on to the next big goal and the next big goal. And if you don't stop to enjoy yourself in the process and to, and to say like, yes, this is, this is it for me. This is what gives me the fuel I need. This is what gives me fulfillment. This is what gives me satisfaction in my work. Then it's, it's never going to be enough for you. And I, I think this is something that we've, we've both talked about a lot in terms of goal setting is this idea of like the, the hedonic treadmill and, and this idea that you have to set your goals in a very specific way so that you don't get there and then realize that it wasn't anything worthwhile in the first place. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat. And I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360.
Well, I, I think a, another thing to kind of add on to that, that I maybe this will send us in a different direction, is it's very difficult when you're working in a field such as Hollywood to set a very concrete, specific goal. Yeah. So going back to this analogy of doctors, right? So if there's a kid that's 18 years old that's going into college, they can say very distinctly, I wanna be a doctor by the time I'm 28 years old. And I don't know the exact amount of time, maybe they can be one at 26, 27. So I apologize if anybody's listening, they're like that's not how long it takes. But let's <laughs> pretend that it, you know, it takes 10 years from the time they graduate high school to actually wearing the white coat and having their own medical practice, right? So they can write on a piece of paper, I am going to be a doctor in 10 years. That's realistic. If you're going to say, I'm going to be a film director in 10 years, that's not as realistic because, and not because you can't do it, but because there are so many outside factors and forces that are going to determine when it happens, not if it happens, exactly. but when it happens. So one thing that I wanna dive into deeper that I know you're all about as well, is this idea of setting a goal versus building a system. Mm -hmm. Because if you say, I wanna lose 20 pounds in six months, well, if you take all the right actions, most likely that's going to happen if there aren't biological or medical factors to get in the way. But if you say, I wanna be a film director in six months, or I wanna get a promotion in six months or whatever it is, that may not happen in the amount of time that you want, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen, but applying that arbitrary time gives you this binary idea of I've either succeeded or I've failed, yeah. but it's a, there's a lot more of a gray area. But if you build a system that says, all right, what are the daily actions that I'm going to take every day that ensure that I become a film director, not in 10 years or five years, but just that ensure I become a film director, that's where the magic is that so many people miss. And I know that you are all about that concept as well. Exactly. So I still very much lean on on goal setting, but not like these, these long-term moonshot goals necessarily, like the kind of stuff that'll take five years or 10 years. Where I really like to focus my energy is on, on short-term goals, things that can, you can do realistically in 30, 60, 90 days, maybe, maybe six months if it's like a really ambitious short-term goal, but these things where you can really control the process. And if you can, if you can design these goals so that they help you make these little leaps forward towards whatever your definition of success is, it's a, it's a way that you can make consistent progress and still use a lot of this great goal setting knowledge that you might get from, from other fields and have it actually be applicable to the world of filmmaking where there, like you said, there's so many things just sort of conspiring against you and so many forces working, working sometimes in your favor, sometimes against your favor. So let's say you have one of these, one of these short-term goals over the next 30 days. That's where this idea of like the daily routine comes in and and really making sure that even if you're just spending 30 minutes a day working towards that goal, like that, that's the key to making, making it work is, is just that consistent effort and consistent time and consistent energy and focusing your energy on doing the most important things for that specific goal, whatever it happens to be for your career. And yeah, I, and that's where the idea of the daily routine comes in. Yeah. I'm using words like consistency is you're, you're just, you're giving me goosebumps now. Cause now we're really diving into the good stuff like this of all my philosophies for success achievement. It doesn't matter what it is. If you're consistently doing it, you're going to get somewhere. So that's the part that people miss is the consistency in their actions. And they think, well, I tried this a couple of times. It didn't work. All right. Well, how many, how many times did you do it? Like three. It's like, <laughs> oh, well try doing it a hundred times in a row and see if it 
you know, gives you progress or not. Um, and I and I love the idea that you're talking about not setting these moonshot five-year or 10-year goals. So just on the fly, let's uh, take a hypothetical situation. And I'm, you know, one of your most ardent readers and listeners, and I'm somebody that is struggling to find my own filmmaking path. And I want to find filmmaker freedom. And I want to stop setting a five-year goal. And I want to set a 90-day goal. Give me a good example or a few examples of the kinds of 90-day goals that I should be setting if I don't really understand how to set short-term goals. Yeah, you bet. So, I mean, the first thing is that whatever your your short-term goal, like 90-day goal, whatever it is, it has to be completely relevant to your bigger picture definition of success. Like the, the idea is that you make these, these little leaps in like substantial progress, substantial bits of progress towards wherever it is you ultimately want to go. Let's just take an example of little, and let's go with the film industry since this is something that you, you know, very well at the end of the day, like there, there are a few things that really influence whether or not you, you make it in the industry. And one of those things is your connections and your ability to to have relationships with the right people. And and once you once you know that, it really comes down to one, identifying the right people and and then two, just just really focusing in on on those on building those relationships step by step. And that's that's not a thing that just happens by like meeting somebody in an, at an event. Like relationships are something that have to be consistently built and then reinforced over time. Otherwise they they start to degrade, which I think all of this stuff is in that that networking article that we like collaborated on, I guess. So let's just say that that's that's the goal. You would you would set it in a way that is concrete. So you might say, I want to like so let's let's say you want to be a cinematographer. You would say to yourself, I want to meet five successful like I want to meet and I want to build relationships with with five cinematographers above me in the industry over the next sixty days. And that might be a good goal. That might not be. It really, again, depends on your situation. But once you have that, once you have that that level of specificity, it's just a matter of how do you do it over the course of 60 days? Then it's all about just, just building out a specific plan and actually making it happen. Like what needs to happen to reach out and build relationships with five cinematographers over 60 days? And once you once you have that that level of specificity in your mind and once once you know that that's your goal it makes everything so much clearer as to what you're doing like once you get into this daily daily process of doing the work it's does this help me meet my goal of meeting five cinematographers over the next 60 days or does it not and if it if it doesn't then it's something that you shouldn't be spending your time on and if it does then you do it and you just chip away consistently. And like, so every day, let's say, let's say that is your goal from five, five people over the next 60 days, you might spend some of your time for the first week, just, just researching and, and seeing who's out there, seeing who's online, interacting with them a little bit on, on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever they happen to hang out. Lots of people are on Instagram, like the film community just loves them some Instagram, which I should probably- never, ever going to find me on Instagram. Mark my words. I'm recording this on the record. Yes, technically there's an optimize yourself Instagram page that I don't even manage, but I don't even, I hate Instagram. Like the, my response to Instagram is get off my lawn. Like I'm such an old man. I just, it's just not for me. Um, yeah. Sorry, I, I digress. Okay. So uh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Any, any rant against Instagram is is good in my book. Yeah, um, but but well, the, to, to, just to kind of interject because there are like ten times I wanted to interrupt you and I ended up not doing it because I wanted to you know let you 
finish your thought. But this idea of specificity, that's another one of those like tingly words that gets my spidey sense going. And I use the word yeah. clarity. If you have complete and utter clarity on the actions that you need to take that are going to lead you to that ultimate goal, it is so easy to do them. People wonder why they procrastinate and why they never get anything done and why they spend all day on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter in their email inbox. It's because they don't have clarity about what needs to be done and they're not confident that the actions they do take are going to lead them somewhere. And those are the, the what I call the three C's are you need clarity, confidence, and consistency. Yep. So if you're clear that, all right, I want to be a cinematographer. It's probably going to take me 10 years. How do I know that? Because I've read about a lot of people's stories. I've heard their interviews. It sounds like 10 years is the magic number. Yeah. Being a cinematographer in 10 years, that seems completely foreign to me. Like a decade's never going to pass, never going to happen. Right. However, if I've broken down that 10 year moonshot goal into, you know, the, these uh, benchmarks of where do I need to be in five years? Where do I need to be a year? Now I'm setting a concrete goal that in 60 days, I know that I need to build relationships with five cinematographers who have work that I admire. And I would say, I would love to have their career someday. So now I know that when I wake up to tomorrow morning, the only task ahead of me is I need to research 10 cinematographers and choose five of them that I would like to build a relationship with. If you are that clear on the fact that that's all you need to do to get where you want to be in a decade, procrastination disappears because they're like, oh, well, that's easy. I can, I can go online for 30 minutes today and I can research cinematographers that I like, like that's not hard. But people think to themselves and they psych themselves up saying, well, it can't be this easy. Like there's no way this is gonna lead to success. But that's really the way that it works. You just pick one small tiny daily action and if you consistently do it over and over and over, you are going to end up where you wanna be, but you have to be consistent. Exactly, and I mean, let's follow out that example and let's say you 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 build relationships with, with five cinematographers that you really admire over 60 days, then what? Well, then you might spend the next 30 days trying to, to really pick the brain of these people and, and just ask them, like, just sincerely tell them you admire them, all, all of this stuff. Ask them sincerely what they think you should be working on at this point in your career. And you don't even have to limit this kind of research to, to just the people you've built relationships with. Because obviously, like, the point of having those those relationships is these people are then in a position like they, they know you, they like you, they trust you. And if you can demonstrate your skills to them, if they know you're competent, if they know you're capable of, of leading people and, and being good on set, like that's what can lead to those career opportunities down the line. But let's say besides all of that, you're just not sure what you should be working on after, after this little bout of networking that you've done. That's where like reaching out to these kind of people who are where you want to be and just just picking their brain a little bit, asking them what kinds of things they would be working on if they were in your position, like that can give you so much clarity about how you should be spending your time. Because one thing I found with basically everybody, this isn't even just like relegated to the creative community or the filmmaking community. It's that we all are expending so much energy and doing so much stuff, but so little of what we're doing is moving the needle. Like we're, we're just so busy, so constantly busy. And this is something you've clearly talked about. Um, busy I think is a four letter word. I hate the word yeah. busy, but continue. Ex ex well, yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. It's, and we like pride ourselves on being busy, but we rarely stop to, to ask ourselves, am I busy with the right things? Am I actually focusing the majority of my energy on the things that are ultimately going to move the needle and are going to help me move forward in my career? 
And if you don't do that, like you may eventually be busy on some of the right things just by, just by like sheer coincidence, but it's never going to be intentional and you're never going to make consistent progress over time because you, you just haven't learned how to focus your energy yet. And, and that's where like things like the, the focusing question from the one thing come in. That's where like these little interviews where you like reach out to people who are ahead of you and you figure out what you should be focusing on. Like those are, those are two of my, my absolute favorite strategies for just getting clarity on what you should do right now at this point in your career. Yeah. I think that that's so key. And I love this, this idea of reaching out to other people. Cause it's, it's very easy for me to say, well, if you want to do this in 10 years, just break it down into manageable steps. And if you're thinking, uh, I don't know any of the steps, so I can't do that. Well, then you only have one next step and that's figure out the steps. So if you want to create, like you said, that, you know, the, this filmmaking staircase, so to speak, and you know what's at the top of the staircase, but you have no idea what any of the steps are, that's fine. Neither does anybody else when they start. But guess what? There are people that are standing at the top of the staircase that you want to ascend that know how they got there. So the only thing you have to do right now is figure out what are the steps. And then once you know them, oh, well, this guy told me this and this piece of advice. All right. Well, now I, I don't really have a, all the pictures and all the steps that I need, but I know a couple of them. And the most important one is I know the first one. So just, you know, you're there's going to be some level of kind of blindly climbing the staircase for, you know, at least a few of the the steps saying, well, I know I'm going up and I'm not really sure where the next step is, but you know, if I just get to this one step, I can ask somebody else and they're probably going to help me fill in the gaps. So even if it's not the perfect staircase, so to speak, as long as you can get up the first step, then you're going to get some semblance of momentum and say, oh, all right, now this is starting to feel like I'm going somewhere. It's slow, but it's consistent. Now I need to start filling in those gaps. Yeah, and I think you just touched on something that is that is super important and that I think holds a lot of um, a lot of filmmakers back. And it's this idea of just uncertainty, not knowing what to do next. Even like even if you've you've reached out to people, even if you've asked yourself the focusing question, which we could probably get into in a whole another piece of this conversation. But like even once you've done all that, you're never ever, ever, ever going to have all of the exact perfect answers. And for a lot of us, that that can be like debilitating. It can stop us from taking action and, and from like actually trying things and, and doing things in the real world. And that's something that we, again, we have to be aware of it. And we have to, to I, I guess, overcome some of those psychological forces that that prevent us from from actually taking that first step and getting out there and just trying things. Because like if, if there's one thing I've learned just from like the world of filmmaking, from trying to build a business from scratch, which is really damn hard. And I, every day is just trying to figure something out and trying things and seeing if they work. But you have to try things. You have to put work out into the world. You have to you have to just do things in a direction that you think is the right direction. But you will never exactly know that for sure until you actually go out there and do it. So that's that's one thing I would say, like. I think when it gets into that or like into this realm of like goal setting and 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 having absolute specificity about the nature of the goal and, and the direction you're moving, like it can be really easy to just like think yourself into a hole and and not not really just like at a certain point, let go and get out there and start moving in a direction. So that's yeah, I think that's a really important thing to just sort of add to this is you have to just start working. And just by nature of doing the work, you will 
find out if it's the right work or not. And if it is the right work, you keep doing more of it. If it's not the right work, then you go back to square one and you find more things to work on that will potentially move you towards your goals. Yeah, there, there's no better way that I could top that or close than say, just go out and do something. Like that, that that's the best advice possible because you can have all the knowledge in the world and all the steps in the world and have read every single book and you've watched every single Steven Spielberg movie and you're sitting around doing nothing, you're getting nowhere. Like ideas are worth nothing without implementation. So yes, just to, to reiterate what you just said, Whatever it is that you want to do, just get out and start doing it and be willing to embrace failure. You are going to fail a lot and some people are going to see that failure. Some people are not, but you have to be willing to embrace failure and see that failure as a learning opportunity rather than saying, well, I failed, so I'm no good and I'm just going to quit. This isn't right for me because I guarantee there are many, 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 many failures in my life that most people are not aware of. And they may have even seen something that they thought was a success that to me was a failure, based on my definition of success. So, I mean, we could go way deeper down the rabbit hole, but as is usually the case with this show, I go about an hour, I just start getting warmed up and getting really into it and realize, oh my God, I've been talking for an hour with this person. Um, so I wanna be respectful of your time. Um, but before we go, I wanna make sure that people know exactly where to find you and some of the great stuff that you have to offer them. Yeah, so I mean, the best place to find me is just filmmakerfreedom.com. Like I'm I'm on the Facebooks and the Twitters and, and all that, and I'm rarely on them because like, like you, I'm very much a fan of just automation and, letting the the tools work their magic so I don't have to spend my time there. And more than anything, like I am very engaged with the people on my email list. So if you want to reach out to me and chat, just just jump onto the list. Like there's a million ways to get onto it from my website. And and let's let's start a conversation and and see where it goes. And I also have a really kick-ass newsletter that I send out on Sundays that if you're interested in just like the the world of film and how to how to master your mindset, how to how to master the craft or the business or whatever it is like there's there's always good stuff in there that I sort of curate from various corners of the web. And I, I'm just really proud of the newsletter. I think it's awesome and that you should join it. Yeah, you who's listening right now. And I, I second that. Trust me, if you're listening to this right now and any of this sounded appealing and you think it's going to get you where you want to go, get on that email list because it's not like most of these newsletters that send you eight articles and there's 14 like little um, advertisements in the email and you can't even read them. And it's, Ugh, it's nothing no. like that. Like it, you Ooh. really feel like I'm talking to you, you are talking to me. And the most important thing that I think your work does that most people overlook is you're shortening people's learning curves. You're doing the work that they need to be doing anyway. You're just going through all the that they don't need to be going through and saying, here's the important stuff that you should be focusing on. That's why I think the work that you're doing is so important. So anybody listening, I highly encourage you, go to filmmakerfreedom.com, get on Rob's kick-ass newsletter and just, start doing something. So on that note, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Dude, thank you for having me. And uh, let me know when the new course comes because I am very excited about, well, what's next? Uh, focus yourself or... Um, D design yourself is going to be the, the most immediate. And by the time this episode comes out, design yourself will have already been released. And then focus yourself is going to be the number one focus, pun intended, um, of my life for the remainder of the year. So I'm going to be rolling it out in uh, several very small stages as I build it. But um, by the end of the year, there's going to basically be as close to a foolproof system as possible to go from, I have no idea what to do to not only do I have 100% clarity on what I need to do, I'm completely confident that 
I can do it and I can do it consistently using the following systems and tools. So Dude, I love it. that's the, my entire year right there. Yeah. And I obviously like nerd out about this stuff and I think we've read a lot of the same books and, and do a lot of the same stuff, but I am so freaking excited for that course. Well, that makes two of us. <laughs> I'm using the system right now. So I'm, I'm basically uh, guinea pig number one because it's my system that's leading me towards this ethereal goal of uh, hanging from crazy obstacles on television someday. That's so badass. I love it. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.